Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Well, I thought we might have a look at the what's happening in America vis-à-vis the various um, the assault on black people. Well, that's the way it's being portrayed. In the aftermath of the mass shooting of police officers in Dallas, Texas, the American media has sought to portray the police killings of unarmed people and widespread protests against police violence as proof of an unbridgeable racial division in the United States. With the New York Post, for example, ran a bad banner saying, Civil War! While the New York Times led the Sunday section with, Divided by race, united by pain. This presentation, of course, is grossly at odds with the reality. What's taking place in America is not a race war, but rather public protest against police violence in a country where more than a thousand people a year are executed without trial by police forces that are running amok. Racism exists, of course, and it may be a factor in many police killings. Blacks are targeted for police attacks in disproportionate numbers, according to their population. The facts themselves demonstrate that the scourge of police violence and murders is not limited to blacks or minorities, but extends to working people and youth of all races and ethnicities, especially the poor and most vulnerable sections of the working class. According to a database compiled by The Guardian, through July the 9th, 571 people have been killed so far this year by police. Amazing, 571 mm. people. <coughs> Pardon me, the dead included 88 Latin Latinos and 138 African Americans, but nearly half were white. So it's, you know, last year uh, 1,146 people were killed by the police, of whom the majority were white. Many of these cops who carry out these murders are themselves members of minority groups. Three of the six cops charged in the April 2015 killing of Freddie Gray in Baltimore, an outrage that started these nationwide demonstrations, they were African-American. Half the cops doing the shooting were Afro-American. In that setting, as in many others where police brutality is rampant, both the mayor and the police chief were black. Even the government seems to be unable to rein in the police. When the New York mayor made some comments deemed sympathetic to protests against police violence, he faced a virtual insurrection by the New York City police. That claim, uh, made without factual substantiation or historical explanation, that the United States is suddenly convulsed by racial hatred, Mm. is a falsehood Mm. that doesn't withstand any serious analysis. This presentation concerns the nature of the state and distracts attention from the fundamental questions of class Mm -hmm. that are at the root of the relentless exercise of police brutality and murder. The wave of police violence takes place under specific conditions, a deepening economic and social crisis, an immense growth of social inequality, mounting signs of resurgent class struggle and a broad process of political radicalisation within the American working class, shown by the support for Trump and Sanders. Mm. The number of strikes 
The number of days lost to major strikes in the US last year was four times more than it was in 2014. And this year, with the month-long strike by Verizon workers, <coughs> the figures will be higher still. Even more disturbing to the ruling class, there are signs, including the near-rebellion last year by auto workers, that the trade union bureaucracy, which is even more reactionary than our trade union bureaucracy, mm. is losing its grip on the working class. Mm. And the mass support amongst workers, and especially young people, for the can- uh, campaign of Bernie Sanders who describes himself as a socialist and talks of a political revolution against the billionaire class, has revealed the widespread growth of anti-capitalist sentiment to the horror of the ruling elite. Mm. The aim of the campaign is to inundate the public with a racist narrative, Mm -hmm. make it about black versus white concerning police violence, to divert attention from the capitalist system itself and head off what the ruling class fears most, a broad popular movement uniting the working class in the struggle against capitalism. This requires grossly distorting popular attitudes towards race. Just think, in America in the 30s and the 40s, lynchings of blacks were virtually a daily occurrence. The great mass of black people in the South didn't have access to the vote and there were virtually no black representatives. Fifty years ago, in 1966, Edward Brooke was elected senator from Massachusetts. He was the first black person popularly elected to the US Senate. Police forces throughout the country were almost exclusively white and intermarriage between blacks and white was virtually unknown. Mm. Today, 87% of Americans, including 84% of whites, say they support interracial marriage, up from 4% in 1958. (laughs) 15% of all new marriages in 2010 were interracial, double the figure in 1980. And, you know, like, I mean, a few weeks ago we were speaking about Muhammad Ali and Mm. how he was against what he called Miss Gaganesh. And, you know, so this was, I think, he might have changed his opinions on that, but this is quite a popular belief amongst people that, you know, they can't have these going with these ones. Uh, the interracial thing, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. apparently, to my surprise, the vast majority of Americans don't have any problem no, with this. No, So mm. it makes it all disingenuous for the ruling class. Oh, there's a race war going on. Mm. No, there's not. There's a war starting against the very, very rich. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I can, you can see it. it's in the ruling class's interest to promote race war. Mm. Uh, as it also might be to promote sort of you know Christian versus Muslim sort yeah, of yes, that's diatribe, right. whatever. But uh, a lot of regular folk do go along with that. It's just part of it is part of American history very very deeply, and it doesn't take much to just stir it up. No, but what these <laughs> figures, the tiniest thing, really. what these figures are showing that it's much less deeply ingrained than mm. was. Well, it doesn't. Matter. Are you right? Of course, it means there is still racism, mm. but it wasn't the absolute, total, institutionalised, mm. where only 4% of marriages oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. were interracial. and changed a lot uh, for the better, yeah. Mm. What really happened last week? The killing of two black men. Um, also, that there was, for example, there was a video showing police executing Dylan Noble, a 19-year-old white man in California. A white man as he lay motionless on the ground. Mass protests by all ethnicities through the country were met by the arrests of hundreds of demonstrators carried out by highly militarised police who look and act like occupation forces. I mean, 
If you look at the police these yeah. days, mm. they're getting the army surplus because the, the arms manufacturer found they've got a new place to sell their guns and weapons and uh, armaments and armour and all the rest of it. Well, there are sort of like, you know, and it's, it's been sort of portrayed in a way is similar, in a way isn't similar to the late 1960s, early 70s protests. And you had these police, these are police, mm -hmm. And what they were wearing, it was like Star Wars. Yes, well. And there was a woman, you know, with a, with a summery dress on. You know. Oh, you've seen that picture. Yeah. Yes, yes. And it's right. like really, you know, picture speaks a thousand words. And it's, like, it's, like, it's like the one from the 60s where the girl is putting the flower in the gun. Yes, that's right. That's <laughs> no, right. The promotion of this sectarian outlook, that is black versus white, is embraced by politicians and academics who have a deep and vested interest in racial politics. They're generally nothing but praise for Obama, who's presided over eight years of unending war, mm. growing social inequality and poverty, and the arming of police departments with military-grade weapons throughout the country. These purveyors of racial politics are indifferent to the social distress of bored sections of the working class and have no proposals to improve their flight. We reject we urge people to reject the reactionary racist narrative that's being peddled by the media and the establishment. The struggle against police violence, like all great social questions, requires uniting all sections of the working class in a <coughs> common struggle against the capitalist class. Now, you wanted to... Uh, well, I want to speak about something which isn't, in, isn't yeah, totally unrelated, but uh, is a little bit uh, different. Now, last year, the ABC's Four Corners did an expose of the greyhound racing industry, which uh, showed that some very cruel practices were rampant throughout the different Australian states um, in this industry. Now, in May 2015, the Governor of New South Wales appointed Michael McHugh to investigate the industry. In June of this year, McHugh handed in his report to the New South Wales Governor. And as a result, this past week, the New South Wales Liberal government of Mike Baird has decided to close down the industry starting from next year. Clap, clap, clap. I, I would think so. McHugh's forensic investigation revealed horrible evidence of animal cruelty. Between 10 and 20% of dog trainers have used live baiting. Uh, live baiting is where smaller animals are chased alive by dogs to produce a bloodlust in the dogs, which makes them more ready to run and chase when they're presented on the track with a dummy rabbit. Mm -hmm. One training method involved tearing a baby possum from its mother. The mother, in a frantic state, was tied up and raced around the track very, very many times. I'm not sure, but it went on for quite a long time. Finally, it was raced around the track, chased by the dogs, uh, one dog, Finally, it was torn to pieces uh, by the by the dogs. You know. Disgusting! Disgusting! Uh, greyhound dogs. Although we might note that mm. the Labor government in Victoria hasn't even banned duck hunting. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> yeah, and 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 we are way behind the times when it comes to this stuff. Well, the greyhound I would say racing. So. I Greyhound dogs, which aren't fast, have also been killed at a terrible rate. And this is a nationally... ten to 12,000 of them. No, nationally, it's about half of all the dogs bred to race. About 60,000, I'm being conservative there, mm. about 60,000 of them have been killed in the past decade. Because right. they weren't fast enough. Oh, no, no, no. And killed often in a very cruel manner. 
For example, some were bled to death so that their blood could be drained and used after they were killed. So they're not fast enough, but they're still useful they for some you purpose. Yes, you know. It has been suggested that instead of an outright ban, there should just be the implementation of some of the hundreds of recommendations made by the Commission. This doesn't go far enough. Even if it were the case that most of the trainers were not involved in acts of cruelty, there were many who at least turned a blind eye to it. And even if there were some who played by the rules, it's still a pretty disgusting industry which has no right to ever be labelled a sport. Mm. The dogs are tricked into thinking they're chasing a rabbit when they're chasing a metal lure. If it wasn't for gambling, the whole activity wouldn't exist at all. In and of itself, it is a remarkably dull and this is an opinion, mm. but I think it's a remarkably dull and a remarkably stupid form of entertainment. You have cartoon uh, races now, which are yeah, probably what? more... Cartoon racing. You don't know about that? Cart- you can, yeah, you can go and you can bet on cartoon, cartoon racing. Yeah? Cartoon. The cartoon horses and dogs. You know about right. that? Well, isn't it, wouldn't that mean the result was pre... No. No, I mean, it's just like a roulette wheel or something, you know. Oh, it's I It's just see. a sort of, you know, a porky machine. It's just, you know, they'll come up randomly. Right, Three, right. five, seven, right, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah. New South Wales is actually just starting to catch up with the rest of the world. Now, here's an interesting statistic here. Greyhound racing is banned, or at least they don't have it, in all but four European countries. Really? Yeah, and many countries are, I don't know, maybe they didn't all have Europe, uh, greyhound racing, I didn't go into that far into checking it, but I mean there'd be what, 40, 50 countries in Europe? Only four have greyhound really? racing. Right. You look at the United States, 50 states, only five of them still have, or do have greyhound racing. Well, I th- yeah, yeah. yes, I, that, that, that's amazing, that's amazing, go. it means, but I mean, in Victoria we've got a Labour government who's meant to be more progressive on this and... How can you justify the shooting of ducks, for example, or this cruelty to, to greyhounds? This is uh, this is where I'm getting on to. Where it's, I'm actually supporting the Liberal Party here, and I, I don't like to be doing that, and I shouldn't well, be I, doing it's that. Certainly, you know. to the credit there of the New go. South Wales there Liberals. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, this is the case in Europe and the United States, but they seem to be quite a bit ahead. In this country, New South Wales and the ACT are really only very slowly moving towards in, in the right direction. In Victoria, as you're saying, this industry continues to exist. And in New South Wales too, you were telling me before about the stance of the Labour Party in New South Wales, mm. which is trying to make the banning of race courses. Oh yeah, I'm getting on to it, Christopher. Okay, Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we shouldn't speak about what we're going to speak <laughs> about before we speak about it. Right. <laughs> yeah, okay. In Victoria, the industry continues to exist despite the fact it refers to itself as a sport. It has never been, in, uh, despite the fact it refers to itself as a sport, it is never included in the sporting pages. It's only ever shown in the gambling pages. Even as these reports uh, exposing the greyhound industry have been aired, the media still gives the odds and results on various races because it's about business. Well, that's gambling It's business. It's It's money-making, and this is business as as usual. Now, in this state, there have been some attempts, uh, you know, there have some serious attempts made to prosecute some of the worst dog trainers. Some of those caught red-handed here have actually used the legal defence that the ABC reporters from Four Corners 
uh, their video evidence shouldn't stand because the dog owners, uh, they say that it was filmed on unmarked private property. As if property rights should come before the rights of a live sentient being. So and, if you murder somebody on private property, mm, that's all right. Well, if you video somebody <laughs> if you video murdered, you can't admit it on private property, yeah. hey, you should have been on my <laughs> land. You know. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, that's what they're saying, you know. That's This is in court at the moment, so. Uh, as if property rights should come before the rights of a live sentient being, an animal as intelligent as a, and as sensitive as a dog. And the rights of small creatures such as rabbits and possums must also come into it. Under the law, possums are a protected species, Supposedly, yes. Supposedly. The New South Wales ban, I believe, is very measured. It will not be implemented until 2017 and... An economic package, money, will even be provided to some of those who may miss out on what they really care about, which is money. Money, that's right. Yes, that's right. The New South Wales government is presently run by the Liberal Party and the state premier is Mike Baird, a Conservative. Now, back in February 2015, when this expose was being made by Four Corners, the opposition leader, Luke Foley of the ALP, was actually supportive of ending greyhound racing. He is reported to have said, I'd love to end greyhound racing, but it's Labour heartland. God, is. You know, the morality, you this, know, the uh, principles of these lands. I mean, it's great, right. you, know, you know. Forget that. Forget yeah. that. Votes. Vote. We want your vote. vote. We don't care who and what you yeah, are. We don't care what you, what you want. Yeah. New reports. No, sorry. He, so he said, he's reported to have said that I'd love to end greyhound racing but it's Labour Heartland. He's also uh, has put out, did put out a tweet. That's a Labour Party tweet. And the Labour Party tweet said, New reports have shown that live baiting, the practice of using live animals such as rabbits and possums to train greyhounds, is alive and well in the greyhound industry. This needs to stop. That was a Labour Party New right, South Wales right, right. tweet. So this week... In support of the ALPs needs to grab votes anywhere and anyhow they can. This is what really gets a macro. Luke Foley is using a class argument to oppose Mike Baird's ban. A class argument. This is what he said. This is an alliance of North Shore Liberals and the inner city Greens against the ordinary people of this state. Ordinary people who like torturing animals. Yeah. The battlers, right? The ordinary the folk, the working class. God the battlers. This is. I'll, I'll just. I'll just read the exact quote. The battlers are left to read about it without an iota of consultation. He was supported, and a very disappointing because this guy has said and done some decent things in the past. But he was supported by federal Labour MP Sam Dastyari. Dastyari said, "The whole thing reeks of inner city elitism." Uh, and wowserism, where the pastimes and enjoyment of thousands of New South Wales residents is looked down upon, upon by a bunch of snobs. Oh, jeez, there's no limit to the depths the Labour Party will sink, is there? It's just incredible how they will use class when where and when. I mean, this is this. I mean, I'd love this this stuff absolutely. I'll defend the working class against the snobs and the elitists. Yeah, yeah, and too, the, yeah. You know what I'm saying, right? But in this instance, yes, yes, this is where they decide. Oh, we, we better rediscover class. Yes, that's give me right. a break. And I'm very disappointed with Dastyari because 
amongst the Labour Party people. I've, I've thought so far he's one of the best, but there you go. And a future star. It is amazing where and when the Labour Party decides to use class arguments to present its case. Only when it sees the need to win the votes of people it traditionally takes for granted. Defending greyhound racing is some virtuous pastime of the working class, and maybe playing the porkies next. Who is it who makes the money out of these pastimes and enjoyment, as Dastiari refers to them, and who suffers? The um, the man who actually uh, but put also out the shows report... Him. A view of the world, how they yeah, view the working yeah, class. The yeah. working class Stupid are all beer-swilling yes. people who don't give a shit about mm. animal violence, who lack any sensitivity whatsoever, a bunch of oafs. Mm. That's the way they see the working Crude. class. Crude. Crude, that's Cruel. right. Exactly. Yeah, no. I mean, like, Brutes. what, 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 that, what that, mongrel, that, I should say mongrel, because even then you're saying he's an animal. He's worse than any of these animals that did what he did to the possum. I mean... Mm-hmm. What, 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 what kind of punishment does this thing deserve? It's evil. That is yes. evil. But yes, well, that's representative of working class? No, it isn't. No, it isn't. No. That's really offensive. Yeah. I, oh, anyway. The man who actually put out the report, Michael McHugh, is himself of working class background. He punts in the races and he's even said to be supportive of the AOP. But he can also recognise cruelty when he sees it and he's made his recommendations. Now, um, nine out of ten times, maybe uh, it would be right to oppose the Liberal Party, and nine times out of ten, it may be right to oppose inner-city elitism. But this time, I believe it's Mike Baird who's got it right. Animal cruelty is an evil, and it, it, it's like slavery of 150 years ago. I might be careful what I say here, but, I mean, that was defended. Oh, that was defended. The churches defended it. The the good old Christian churches. The slave owners defended it as the most important things, and they went to war in the US. Yes, you know, in defence of slavery, and came up with a whole lot of reasons why. And basically, it was about well, we're making money out of this. (laughs) Basically, that's our way of life. You know. It's our way of life. But the thing is, it's, I mean, sometimes it really is a matter of right and wrong. Sometimes it's a simple ethical question, and I believe it is wrong. It's cruel, and it needs to be brought to an end. And I'm pretty sure you agree with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, two things have happened during the week, which in the 10 minutes we've got, we'll invite you to call up to 10.30. Of course, Bernie Sanders ended his presidential campaign, and not with a bang, but a loud whimper. He uh, formally endorsed Hillary Clinton, with whom he's been raging against for the last month, saying that she's a creature of the uh, large front of the bankers. It's always uh, going to happen. It's always, always going to happen. But at the same time, the Saunders campaign has provided a major lesson in politics to millions of young people who rallied to support uh, Sanders because he called himself a democratic socialist and because he denounced Wall Street and the domination of US politics by millionaires and billionaires. This support for a self-proclaimed socialist, to the extent that he was, shocked the ruling elite in the Democratic Party and probably shocked Sanders himself. It demonstrated that despite decades of propaganda against socialism and communism, 
the mass of working people are dri- is being driven to the left. Well, you know, look, it really surprised me. I mean, I was speaking about Luke Foley before. Luke Foley, along with Kevin Rudd going way back, have done everything they can to get at rid of that word socialist. Oh, yes. From the Labour Party platform. And they've got rid of it. They used to have this thing called the Socialist Objective. Yes, I know. Part two or whatever. And they've argued against that. Kevin Rudd, I will never be a socialist. I never have been. Luke Foley, another one. And if, I, no, if, you, if, you, if you look at some of the parties which run under the banner of socialism here, they get hardly any votes. They do. I mean, you yes, know, maybe, maybe you true. or me or who, yeah. a few people that we know, but I tell you, they get hardly any yes, votes. That's true. So the very idea that Sanders says, I'm a socialist, and, and, it, and it works. And incredible. It, he, amongst young voters, he won by 70, 80, and sometimes 90% of young voters under 30 voted for him. In the US. More than a million and a half people attended his rallies. Uh, now, the Saunders campaign didn't create this radicalisation. It was there. It was mm. waiting to be discovered because of decades of deepening economic inequality, endless war, attacks on democratic rights, and the realisation that the profit system is leading humanity towards catastrophe. However, once uh, the primary was fully engaged, Saunders' campaign became clear. It was his responsibility to put this working-class genie back into the bottle. He had to deliver millions of voters to the candidate chosen by the Democratic Party establishment. Because apparently, and that's what's happened. Apparently a lot of the Sanders supporters, when they were doing opinion polls, said, well, if he's not in it, if it's a choice between Clinton and Trump, we'll go for Trump. That's right, that's right. There's two aspects of Sanders' campaign we should note. One, the fact that he kept completely silent on foreign policy and the growing danger of war, the how you could do that, I don't know. And secondly, his refusal to criticise Obama for bailing out Wall Street, you'd think would have been very much on his agenda, yes. and spearheading the corporate <laughs> attack on the jobs and living standards of working people, beginning with a 50% wage cut imposed on new hires in the car industry at the insistence of the White House. But you can't attack Obama too much because, I mean, he would maybe want Obama's endorsement, which went to Clinton. Well, whatever the yeah. reason. But if he whatever thought, the reason, he's by de facto mm. endorsing two major facets of ruling class strategy. Oh, and, and foreign policy, he, he, he did say little bits, but he really didn't uh, he veer away it. from the Obama-Clinton line. He didn't. When he spoke at uh, Hillary Clinton's, when he was endorsing Clinton, which was humiliating, I thought, anyway, he spoke for 30 minutes. He didn't mention foreign policy. And this was only days after Obama announced that they were sending yet another 560 US troops to Iraq. Plus uh, the NATO... Sanders never referred to uh, Clinton's four-year tender as Secretary of State, where she was the most hawkish member of the Mm. Obama cabinet, Mm. instigating the US-NATO war with Libya and wanting even greater intervention in the Syrian war. Uh, Saunders praised Obama's actions during the 2008-09 Wall Street crash. I thank Obama for his leadership in pulling us out of that terrible recession. Which is by which Obama and Biden saved the bankers and billionaires Pulling us out. at the expense of the working class. Pulling us out. Clinton's own remarks, of course, were equally demagogic and deceptive. She denounced trickle-down supply-side economics. You know, in other words, such as the, the Australians' uh, Liberal Party idea of jobs and growth mm. was that you, if you want to help the poor, you give the rich $40 billion, mm. $50 billion. Mm. She, um, 
she denounced trickle down economies, but she left out those th- she left out those thirty years, which included eight years of her husband, who dic- followed the dictates of the financial markets no less slavishly than the Republicans. Historical revisionism. The Democratic Party, like the Republican Party, is an instrument of the financial aristocracy that rules America. The Republican Party generally expresses ruling class appetite for wealth and power in its most greedy form, like the Liberals do. Mm. The Democratic Party has served as a principal vehicle for neutralising any challenge to the corporate relief from below. Mm. And that's the same role the Labour Party has. Their job primarily is to prevent the working class from getting into power. It's what I think is young people and young people and people who've been awoken by the words of socialism, by the, the need to change society, by the great gross inequality, they've got to draw the necessary conclusion. The Democratic Party cannot be transformed and capitalism cannot be reformed. The Labour Party also in this country cannot be transformed and capitalism cannot reform. A leadership's got to be built to unite developing struggles of the class in a revolutionary movement against the corporate and financial elite and the profit system they defend. Now, just in the two minutes, I want to talk for a second about Corbyn. Now, you might remember that uh, Jeremy Corbyn is a left-winger with a long history of social struggle. The mass of the Labour Party membership elected him as leader, but the vast majority of the Labour Parliamentary Party opposed him. And they have forced, the Parliamentary Party, over 80% of them, have forced Corbyn into a leadership, a rerun of the leadership challenge. They say he's ruining the Labour Party. He's ruining their pro-bourgeois Labour Party, is what he's doing. Um, And they said, and they debated, they tried to stop Jeremy Corbyn even appearing on the ballot for the leadership are, so, they, are they saying he's not electable? Because that's often what they'll say. Well, yeah, well, they're, they're <laughs> saying, well, they're saying all that sort of Too stuff. All bullshit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they're saying it nevertheless. And um, they've tried to keep him off the ballot. Well, apparently, one of the trade unions rang up and said, you do that, you're in deep manure. You're in deep manure with the Labour Party. So they allowed him onto the ballot. But what they've done, after Corbyn had left the meeting... They voted that members who've joined in the last six months couldn't vote. So, in other words, there's hundreds of thousands of people who have swarmed into the Labour Party because of of Corbyn and the fact that he's actually going to stand for something rather than the Blairites, who are just another alternative capitalist force. They're saying they don't get the vote. Now, I think the Labour Party's looking a bit like a split and one hopes that the right wing gets out and the Labour Party can, can, be, can become something that we, in some way, and the working class in some way, may identify with. At the moment, the Labour Party is doing exactly what Labour parties do everywhere, defending the system, mm. although, at this, um, and mildly talking about a little bit of reform on the side. But they're trying to get rid of Corbyn mm. because he's representing a working class that is getting fed up to the neck with massive inequality, the fact that their lives aren't changing, aren't getting any better, and they see the rich enriching themselves. And the Conservative government's basically handed over government assets to the the millionaires at bargain prices. Who suffers from that? And speaking of the Blairites and Blair himself, he's now officially a war criminal. Well, yes. Something which people have been saying for the past 12 years. Well, yes, and so is, so is. How little... (laughs) 
He's now been accepted in there. You know, I mean, if Milosevic and Karadzic have to front up to the Hague. Time for Tony and Tony and John Howard and Bush, of course. So. People, it's ten thirty. It's your chance to ring up. Uh, we've going to be cut a bit short on talk back today unless we can get someone else to take Jan's place. Mm. The number to ring is nine four one nine zero one double five. Nine four one nine zero one double five. Any topic, whether we've talked about it or not, whether you agree with us or not. Nine four one nine zero one double five. So, what do you think about the decision vis a vis the Philippines and China with regard to the Spratly and the Paracel Islands? Um, I don't know. I haven't made up my mind about that. I well, I made up your mind. Well, (laughs) I don't know enough about it. Well, the United States has been pushing the pivot. Well, I know the United States is using this Mm. as part of a war drive against China, which is what the pivot to China is about. Remember that the Labor government gave us what we really needed was another U.S. base in Australia in Darwin, and the military budget. I mean, at the same time they're running down the health, education and welfare budget, they're boosting the military budget, getting 50 more submarines at a cost, uh, to have a many submarines at a cost of $50 billion. If you cancelled that alone, you'd solve all your, all your revenue problems. But that's on there. Now we'll talk to John. To John. Good morning, John. Good day. Good day, John. How are you going? I'm bad, John. Now, uh, the revolution that we're... We're talking about political revolution. It can't be peaceful. You go back to history, workers got shot, unions, guys got shot mm. and killed. So if we're going for revolution, we've got to be prepared. Some is to die on the front line. Right or wrong. Well, I when we, when we have a revolution, mm. we will certainly, the working class would need to be armed. The working class would mean need to be armed and we would need to have penetrated into the army so that the army couldn't respond and simply crush it. And that's part and parcel of every, every revolutionary change. Well, we're wanting to have masses of people where we make change through people with power. Yeah, that's right. Not, I mean, we are, we are many. They are a tiny minority of the population who basically fool most yeah. of the population in supporting them. Yeah, not through a handful of disgruntled marines or whatever, just right. killing the, or, or a couple of cops, whatever. That's, that's not really revolutionary. Yeah, I, but sometimes I dream at night that we may have somebody in this jail like it, Faldro, Castro, a leader like him, but we've got none of them. No, no, more's a pity, more's a that, pity. That's not going to happen in Australia. No. And, 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 and neither it should, neither, because, I mean, that was war. That was a military takeover. It was in an undeveloped country, Castro too. Guevara, Castro did, did, did a lot of good, of course, and yes, in, in and of that, that, in that time and that place, but let's not, you know, get into fantasy. Well, you can't, well, you can't draw uh, direct parallels. Oh, uh, anyway, it was a good program. Have a lovely day. Thank you, You John. too, John. Thanks, John. And now we're talking to Terry. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Chris, and good morning, John. Good morning. Great, Terry. Uh, I'd like to actually uh, report to you. I've got a friend of mine who um, who does uh, summer teaching at the Melbourne University, and his area is uh, Syriac studies, and um, he's also very much an expert on Near Eastern and, and, and classic affairs. Anyway, well, he actually went uh, recently to Melbourne University to... Uh, check out on some materials 
And what he found in the in the library, uh, because Melbourne University has quite a number of libraries, I think it's in the Bayview, they actually were downsizing their their Near Eastern and classic collections. And uh, and the reason is that they want to put in more computers into the place. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he, he grabbed the opportunity and has taken as much as he physically can over a number of days back, back to his house. And I'm saying to myself, well, that's not a good sign because, I mean, you know, that shows, again, another attack on the humanities. Mm-hmm. Uh, such. And, and, and I'll give you uh, another example. But my area, I, I mean, I, I've told you that I, that I research history. Now, for, for example, there's, there's one huge collection that's called the British Documents on Foreign Affairs. It's, divi- it's divided alphabetically, and within the alphabet, there could be, say, 30 volumes or 20 volumes uh, dedicated to different regions of the world. These were documents that were called the confidential print at one time, mm-hmm. and these were only circulated to, to very uh, restricted number of people in the Foreign Office and also in the British Cabinet. Well, I think there's around between three to 400 volumes in total out of this uh, uh, British stock on foreign affairs. Um, the, the, the bastards actually put them, uh, a couple of years back, they put them into storage. So if you, if you uh, have to research something, you, you, have to, you have to go up to, to the front counter and ask them to get it out of the warehouse, basically, and, and it could take two to three days. Uh, I'm just, mm. uh, I just don't understand it. I mean, th- th- this is an important resource, you know, for historians, uh, you know. Mm. And, I, uh, you know, it goes to show the sort of uh, the attack on the, on the humanities. And I wonder why... They... Well, it doesn't lead to actual the making of profit, so it's therefore less important. Yes, well, well, well for researchers uh, like, like me, and I'm sure there are others in my case, you know, who view it as a very important uh, collection. But, but, but you are... Right, right, Chris. You know, everything's now been reduced to a dollar and cent sign, mm. unfortunately. All right. Anyway, thank you, Terry. Thank you very much indeed for an excellent program. Thanks, okay, Terry. Thank Have you. a good week. You too. <coughs> thank you, Terry. Now, before Gary speaks, the number to ring is 94190155. 94190155. I went to the, I went to the picket line during the week. We're getting mm. somebody mm. to come in. Mm. Um, I went to picket line to uh, for the Carlton United workers yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who are still holding a picket and you should visit that, that picket. Yep. They were all sacked. All 51 of them were sacked and offered their jobs back at half the rate. Mm. Or rather, at a 65% reduction. Yeah. Uh, not 65% of their wages, a reduction of 65% of their wages. So it's 35%. Anyway, good morning, mm. Gary. Good morning. Good morning, Gary. How are you going? lately about a recent NATO summit. Yes, mm-hmm. this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, in, in light of that, um, uh, a whole lot of European countries have fallen for uh, the propaganda that, you know, Russia is a real threat and have been aggressive recently and they're holding war games, which right, yeah. <laughs> could easily result in, you know, World War Three because of uh, the way the weapons are these days and the state of, you know... Uh, Don't they think the Americans are... No, 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 it's the Russians now. It was held in Poland and Obama and we're Cameron talking. were all there. Yeah. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, the Americans obviously run it. Mm-hmm. Uh, arguably for Israel. Uh, right, I don't know about I Israel. Bet about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, go on. Well, anyway, go on. Yeah, the, the question I, I sort of have is, you know, over the over the years, we've had uh, well, you know, Afghanistan, 
Saddam has been demonised before they trashed Iraq. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gaddafi was demonised before they trashed Libya. Mm-hmm. Uh, Assad has been demonised by all these clued-up socialists who keep calling him a butcher. Well, he is. Oh, OK, well, where did you get your information that... Well, long, I mean, he, he was... Where he, did you get it? He, well, he's, well, his attitude, to the, the way they treated the Palestinians was pretty horrific. Well, the Syrians? Yeah. The Palestinians. What about the way the Israelis treat the Palestinians? Well, no, Compar- comparisons right. are, are odious here. I mean, we were talking about uh, Assad. I mean, the yeah. fact that there are other bastards doesn't make Assad yeah, any better. Anyway, go on, Gary. The, the facts uh, apparently are that, that Syria is, is a pretty, uh, was a pretty uh, good country, you know, fairly uh, well integrated with all sorts of different religions and everyone got on pretty well I think you're making some pretty good points about the NATO summit, Gary. Can you go back to oh, that? All right, back to the NATO summit. Um, like the, the all this false fear in all these European countries have been has been built up with, for instance, the uh, the R- Russia marched into the Ukraine. Ma- Russia is the aggressor in the Ukraine. Crimea. And the facts are obviously quite the opposite. Now, I know a bunch of I know, I know supposedly clued-up socialists that really think Russia was the aggressor in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just wondering, wh- whose side are these socialists on? Because the only people that benefit uh, is, uh, well, America. Well, yeah, I, look, I, don't, I, I agree with you about the Ukraine. Thing. I mean, there's no question that... Uh, Well, we start with the fact that the Ukraine government was removed in a coup because it was pro-Russian. I mean, that would be enough to to make your case. There is no doubt there is a a military build-up by NATO, and the NATO summit held this past week, which which featured all the top leaders, including Barack Obama and David Cameron. Uh, They were speaking and they were putting in more troops, more missiles into Poland, of all places. Turn things the other way around. It would be the same as uh, having a Russian fleet in the Gulf of Mexico. Or Mexico, exactly. Yes, yes, yes no, that's right. right. And but you know, I mean, a lot of these Eastern European countries, you know, there is an anti-Russian feeling amongst a lot of people because of history. Mm. You know, so it's like in a way we were speaking before. It doesn't take much to stir up the black-white divide in the U.S. It doesn't take much to stir up an anti-Russian feeling amongst a lot of uh, Eastern Europeans, in particular. The British have been very much a part of the said war drive against Russia you know not all the British no. yeah. Nigel Farage wasn't no. I don't believe Jeremy Corbyn was but a lot of them are mm-hmm. um, and Tony Abbott well, well, so, come to your conclusions Gary well, the, con- the conclusion is the usual one you can't rely on the mass media for anything uh, that's anything like factual and unfortunately most of the left press is, is uh, just as bad and I urge people to look at alternative media sources if you ever want to get anything near the truth about anything. Yeah, but there's some dodgy sites. Well, of course there is. Like global research. You can filter out the dodgy stuff from the stuff that is realistic. Mm. Gary, I've had a look at global research a few times, and that's a hell of a lot of filtering, you know? I mean, there's some pretty nasty stuff on there. You know that, There's a whole lot of different people that uh, post on it. I mean... Although, admittedly, reading reading left... ...to be able to... 
uh, you know, figure out what is sensible and logical and, and what is provable to, to what is ridiculous. You can't condemn a whole website just because you might. But hang on a minute, you're condemning the whole whole section of the left because of this. I mean, who are you speaking about when you're condemning? Which, which socialists are you speaking about? Well, you're talking about Socialist Alliance. Yeah, Socialist Alliance, the Green Left Weekly. Okay, so I mean, they get it right, they get yeah, it wrong, and they, Global they, Research they does the same thing. On like John Pilger. Yeah, it's go, yeah, go again, yeah. John Pilger, yeah. Yeah, you know, and he comes up with some really good arguments, like yeah. the imminent threat of World War Three, for instance. Yeah. Where, where do you read that in the actual left media itself? Uh, well, King, if you're lucky, uh, Green get... Left often reprints John Pilger's stuff. And people should look at John Builder. He's fantastic. I'm, I'm, not, move a, on, Gary. I'm not a huge okay. fan of Green Lake Weekly myself, but have a good week, Gary. No worries. See Bye you. then. Bye-bye. Good morning, Mungo. Good morning. Morning, Mungo. How are you going? Good, thanks. Um, yeah, yeah, look, I just wanted to say we saw the where the power of the parliament lies last night um, in that Malcolm Turnbull at the football with Tony Shepherd, hmm. And, uh, you know, here's the sort of relationships... Well, who's Tony uh, the Liberal Party who's Tony um, has. <coughs> that, guy, that guy's an economic scandal. <coughs> you know, he wants to pilcher pensions and you know, and and do the sorts of the sorts of things he wants to do are just outrageous. This is Tony Shepherd, is it? Yes, right. particularly particularly to young people, and uh, you know, um, you know, this is this is the sort of relationships that Malcolm Turnbull. I mean, your, your previous caller speaks was speaking about the media. Well. Well, what about the relationships with the, these people have as well? I mean, Tony Shepherd is just—he's off the radar in regards to what he his wish list for what he'd like to do to the Australian economy. He yes. doesn't care about people. There's no public good um, in in anything that he he, he wants to do. And uh, you know, t- last night to see him at the football with Malcolm Turnbull and his wife. Um, is the epitome of of what we see in politics in Australia. Well, if if you want to see something really repulsive, you could go to the MCG this Sunday, where in attendance apparently is going to be Joe Biden, the US really? Vice President. <laughs> He's going to be at the MCG <laughs> to, watch, to watch Carlton and West Coast. You think oh, he could have got a better game? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm not far from the airport. I'm not far from the airport, and yesterday I saw. Two large military, American military... Yeah, guards. exercises, yeah. Oh, they've already well, been they're... around the MCG. Oh, they, yeah, they'll be well secure. Why? They must think people don't like them. Yeah, well... <laughs> so much security. <laughs> Good on <laughs> you, Mungo. Why would that be? Thank you. Bye-bye. See you then. Bye. Anyhow, before we talk to Bill, the number to ring is 94190155, uh, Michael is on the phone and he'll be happy to take your calls. Nine four one nine zero one double five. Get on the phone, you've got 10 minutes. Good morning, um, Bill. Bill. Uh, good morning, uh, Chris and John. Morning, Bill. Uh, just uh, talking about Mike Baird and this uh, uh, trying to uh, no outlaw sort of greyhound racing. I've, I witnessed an incident. I was only in my, my 20s. And it was this little, uh, it was this incident where these two chaps had allowed the, they allowed the two greyhounds to run and sort of exercise. Uh, the unfortunate thing is they never had muzzles on them. And this little girl was, in, well, she was mm. crying in a terrible state. And I came across it and here are the two dogs, the two greyhounds. One had one end of the little dog and the other had the other. 
and they just tore it apart. And uh, our mum came up and she was trying to console her too. It was just, it was just horrendous. And I thought, this is this is really sort of uh, really off the radar. This kind of thing. No, it was just absolutely horrible. And uh, ever since then, I'll, uh, greyhounds are beautiful dogs. Yes, I've, uh, I've had the Alsatians and collies and yeah, oh, it's the human beings. We're the ones. Well, dogs. you can yeah. brutalise anybody or yeah. anything. Yeah, you yeah we're the ones. I mean, a lot of German shepherds are beautiful dogs too. But you well, know, that's you right. and, and look at what it's done to them. But I think it's uh, everything else. That's the dogs are actually used for the, that purpose. Mm. And the unfortunate thing is, as a working. It has been a working-class sport, the same as a whippet racing. But well, I don't think it's a sport, though. Well, so is bear-baiting and cock-fighting, well, but I wouldn't I, I, suggest for one second they should be... The fact that the working-class, yeah. like... It's not working-class culture. It's degenerated bourgeois culture that the working-class are fed. And it's a tiny percentage of people. Tiny percentage. The vast majority of the working-class would be just as repelled yes. as you and I. Well, I think a lot of the sports now have been introduced... Well, the people are watching these uh, uh, these people who go in for karate and uh, all these various sports were. But at least that's with consent. Legal. I mean, yeah, if you a, if you uh, sign up to get your head punched in, yeah, then that's you're, you're consenting. You're consenting. Adults. You're consenting you know? adult. Whereas a dog doesn't have that right. And if it's professional sport and you're a consenting adult, boxing, golf, yeah, yeah. soccer, tennis. You, know, you get paid an awful lot of money. They get well, very well looked after. Mm-hmm. It's not like this. Well, I think it's I not think, sport. It's just I not sport. I think Mike Bird has a. It has taken a. It's a, a, a wonderful sort of decision. He's it is. I it think is. so. Yeah. It is. It no, is. and I, 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 I only wish it had been the Labour Party that would do it, and stop the duck hunting. I mean, that's absolutely outrageous. Yeah, well, I mean, what? Give the ducks guns, I well, reckon. If they uh. could give the ducks guns, yes, I beat you to it. <laughs> that would be you. sport then. <laughs> good on you, Bill. You can have a bet on okay. that. And See now you, we're talking to uh, Ruth. Good morning, Ruth. Good morning. How are you both? Good, good, Ruth. There you go. Not bad. Um, on the last thing, one of the most horrific things I've ever seen in my life was footage of a deer that was torn to bits by a pack of dogs, and. These things all come from aristocratic practices. You can make an argument that it's... Well, it's the same as fox hunting, isn't it? Yeah, all these things come from aristocratic practices and it was the most horrific thing I've ever seen in my life. Oscar Wilde had a phrase, he referred to fox hunting as the, um, the unspeakable in full pursuit of the uneatable. Yes. That was one of the only good things Tony Blair did. He was the one who was bringing in the to end the fox hunt. Right, right. And and all of that stuff. But mm. yeah, this is a, it's just that you know it, it's going to be as you both know it'll be it'll be molded into whoever's argument. But it's just a, it's an un, unacceptable practice. I used mm. to work for a vet who worked with the greyhound industry and. The things that I saw in that brief period of time were enough for me to just accept that they're all a bunch of criminals. Right, That's all right. there is to it. Everyone involved in that particular industry are a bunch <coughs> of criminals. Now, Ruth, I've got you down as John Howard and the Chilcot Report. You want to oh, say yes, something? Oh, yes, yeah. I wanted just to point out, if anyone wants to labour through the 12 volumes... Yes, I'm doing that tonight. Chil- ...of the Chilcot Report... It's similar to all legal practices of discovery where you overload 
uh, all of the information you can into these volumes so that, you no know... No one will some, read them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But <laughs> the point of it is, I want to say for John Howard <coughs> that he was at least honest enough to say he'd do it and he, he did it and he'd do it again. Yeah, Blair and said the, he'd do it again too. And the reason he would do it again is that he and his cronies are all invested in all of the war industry mm. and all of the, the people who make the, the the bombs and the rest of it. Mm. And sure, they'd do it all again. They'd Milton kill another 500,000 children mm. in the Middle East tomorrow yes. Yes. if they yes. could. But, I mean, so, I wouldn't praise him for that. I mean, a criminal oh, who's committed crazy, a murder and still keeps denying it and takes no remorse, we view them harshly. I would say if Howard said, look, you know, I committed a terrible crime, one might have a bit of sympathy for him, but he'd sort of say, no, no, what crime? And Howard also, when he was presented with a lot of this, I think about a year or so ago, what he said was he felt embarrassment. Embarrassment. So his feelings were for himself. Oh, yes. And his tiny little embarrassment didn't seem to have any concern for the people that died. He was probably guided to say that. I don't think he's a person who has any kind of uh, human compassion, as most sociopaths don't. No, true. So I'm sure he would have been told to say that. But, yeah, look, um, very chilling. And, you know, as I say, they're creatures who don't have... Sociopaths have no centre in the brain for conscience or compassion. And Mr Howard is a wonderful example of that. Well said. Thank you, Ruth. Have a great week. Thanks, Thank Ruth. Bye-bye. Oh, oh. oh I was cut. sorry, Ruth, I cut you <laughs> mid-squawk. <laughs> sorry, that's how the way it came over. I don't know if he's a sociopath. Anyway, hello, we're anyway. talking to John. Uh, good morning, panel. Good morning. Uh, how many morning, minutes John. have left we, before 11 o'clock? Uh, we've got about... Ten eight, seconds. Uh, no, we've got eight minutes. This <laughs> okay, it won't take, it won't take all of eight, but I'd like everyone to just consider what I'm asking. Well, you won't take eight because I'll cut you off before then because we've got another call and we may have some... Yeah. But you've got a couple of minutes to go for uh, Okay. It's about three now, minutes talking uh, about it. Number of questions and your responses. Mm. And honest responses, please. Uh, The history of Great Britain with the involvement of Margaret Thatcher. How many years was she in power? She came to power in 1979. She came to power in 1979 and she lost power in 1990, I think. So that's a period of... 11 years. Seven years. 11. 11 and a half. Now, did she do any damage in that time? No. Of course she did. Did any damage? (laughs) Now, I'm asking these relevant she liquidated, questions and everyone she, to consider... She liquidated the... the uh, she drove, attacked the working class massively. Do you remember the miners' Minor strike, strike of 1984? She closed, Falklands she closed the Falklands War in that time. The she poll massively, tax. The poll tax, where she was uh, trying to tax everybody, and that was what I did. It was her undoing. She was an appalling woman Not who redistributed, redistributed uh, wealth from uh, the poor to the rich. Now, now, was Margaret Thatcher on the Labour or on the Conservative, conservative side? side. Oh, conservative side. Are you serious? Side. Are you joking? Are you joking? Aren't you? <laughs> you? Do you wonder where my questions are leading? Well, I, one would, yes. Uh, but the thing is, I'm just trying to make everyone that may be listening okay. and yourselves in the studio yeah. get everyone to think about what may be coming now. So Margaret Thatcher was a Conservative, yes or no? Yes. Yes. Okay, now the new lady... Theresa May. Yeah. She is a Conservative, yes, yes or indeed, no? Yes, indeed, indeed. 
do you think long term we are looking at another version of Margaret Thatcher? No. No, that's already been done. There will never be another man. No, no. Well, the thing is, there could be similar things that people may regret. In, in the future, looking backwards to this woman. Look, she will, this woman will govern in the interests of the tiny 1% of society like Margaret Thatcher did in a different historical period. Boris Johnson apparently has been made the foreign minister. People thought he was walking away, but I just don't think he's ready to make his move for the top job yet. But I think he'll hang around and he'll still... I don't think she will necessarily be there very long. The, the new British Prime Minister is an enemy of the working class. Can Can you say that last again, please? The new British Prime Minister is an enemy of the working class. She's there to support and foster the extremely wealthy people. Right. Now, question. Sh- jumping across to America mm-hmm. in the lead-up to their federal election, mm-hmm. the public I- over there, it appears, get to vote for a man or a woman currently. Yes, yes or no? That's correct, yes. Now, in Britain, did the public vote for their Prime Minister? No, well, she, Cameron no, no. resigned because Cameron he lost... Cameron resigned, and so an internal the election yeah. elected so her. how far down the track will the public get a chance At to the vote next election. for a man or a woman? At yeah. the next election. If well, the Labour Party puts the, up a man. How far down the track might that be? Oh, it's about two years, I think. Yeah. Two years. I think so. So we'll find they out... They have five-year terms over there. Yeah. So we have two years to find out what this person, the new person, is about. Well, I can tell you what she'll be like. She'll be appalling, and you'll want to get rid of her. <laughs> I'm uh, glad it wasn't my word. <laughs> right. Yeah. we better move on, but thank you, John. Th- thank you, fellas. Thanks, okay, John. Bye-bye. And now we're talking to Lance. Good morning, Lance. Lance? Oh, Lance. Oh, yeah, they are. Lance was on a mobile, so he may have uh, tuned out already. But if you've got your four minutes, if you're lightning quick, 94190155. There was a... 94190155. I'm sorry, the person, the bloke on the picket line at the Carlton United Brewery people, he was going to ring up. Yes. He's obviously forgotten, because yeah. I told him, you know, to do this uh, this morning, and he hasn't. And as I say... This is a skilled engineering whom you, I think, have mm. taken over the contract down and, and, and they're reducing, they've sacked 51 maintenance workers at Carlton and United and said to them, you can reapply for your job, but we're cutting 65% of your wages and a whole range, a raft of other conditions have gone by the board. Now... Where's the? There was the Age had the uh, had them on the front page the other day, but I, I've yet to hear the Labor Party getting indignant, mm. or even the trade unions getting indignant, or mounting a decent campaign. When I went down, there was about half a dozen battlers next to a, a kerosene tin uh, cooking chops. That was it. No vote. No votes in it. No That's votes it. in yeah. it. No attempt <laughs> to stop trucks coming the in. Party. You know, yeah, nominal. Okay, the the AMWU put up the money and all that for the. Well, we'll talk now to Syrian. Syrian. Good morning. Oh, good morning, Syrian. I want, fine, thank you. Morning, Syrian, how are you? Fine, thank you. On the greyhound, because you see, once you commodify a dog, Mm. because this is a hard logic of business, Mm. when you commodify, Mm -hmm. then it's a a commodification. Then if a dog doesn't run well, they'll kill it. Yes, that's right. It's a hard logic of business. Yes, of course. I think that's the way it is. So we must not commodify 
dogs or animals for that matter. It's variable Otherwise, capital. Well, they've yes. commoditized people, um, mercifully when they, they don't actually put us down when we're no longer mm. raceable. Didn't, didn't want to, bro. Well, they would like to put us down, but we, we won't let them. Absolutely, as we say, the human beings are treated like especially. But that is what it is. So from a business point of view, I can understand, if you run a business, if the, if the product is not working, you throw it away. And well, get another one. I, I think the slave, the slave traders had a similar attitude. Yes. And I mean, you know, in a way, like the, the slave trade, you know, like when the, a lot of the African people were coming across in those ships. Thousands uh, died. Yeah, that's like squashed together. And a lot of them yes. died because they were that's too weak, mm. you know. Mm. And when they got to the market, it was a market. They were totally commodified in the U.S. Uh, they were then chosen as to how healthy, how fast, how strong yes. they well, the were. Well, Br- the British ran the slave trade until 18. Mm. I know, but could I tell you, my fear mm. that they might have an organ, uh, what they call a stock market for organs, kidneys, livers, already in India, mm. they're selling organs for price. Yes, it's a commodification. Yes, yes it's a commodification. You know, it's very disturbing. Yes. You know, uh, and unless we actually say, as you said, overthrow the capitalism, we will get commodified. No, capitalism spares nothing. No human feeling is not commodifiable. We better go, but thank you for your call, Surya. Thanks, Surya, and have a good week. Thank you, uh, wonderful listeners, for your fabulous call. Look, if you've uh, pledged to donate money to 3CR and you haven't actually done so, could you get onto it, please? 3CR really does need your money.